Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known fact of the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, who truly is a quadruple threat. He is a singer and a dancer and an actor and a choreographer. He is also a Tony nominated person as of 2022 for his incredible performances, Eddie in Funny Girl. Early in his career, he was a subway performer. Then he became a dancer, landing jobs with some of the biggest performers in music, like Mariah Carey. And then we got to see him as Eddie in Funny Girl in 2022. Welcome, welcome the extraordinary Jared Grimes, Tony nominee to the podcast. A-OK. My guest today is the Tony-nominated true quadruple threat, the actor, the singer, the dancer, the choreographer, Jared Grimes. Jared currently stars as Eddie Ryan in Funny Girl on Broadway. Other Broadway shows include After Midnight and A Soldier's Play. He's toured with Mariah Carey. He's danced for artists like Common and salt and Peppa, En Vogue, Buster Rhymes, Roots. He made his choreography debut with Cirque du Soleil, perhaps the youngest choreographer to work with that company. He choreographs shows and commercials. Um, If you love TV, and who doesn't love TV, we can see Jared as Adrian on NBC's hit show, Manifest. Or Netflix is now. And Netflix (laughs) as of today. Now on Netflix. (laughs) All the places, exactly. Um, Or I'm sure your mom recorded every episode. And so, you know... (laughs) call Jared's mom and see everything he's ever been on, perhaps even his Star Search finals auditions. Um, In 2014, uh, he won really what will be just a a huge basket full of awards in his lifetime. But that was the day or the year, I should say, he won the prestigious uh, Astaire Award for Outstanding Male Performer in the Broadway Show After Midnight, meaning he's the best dancer on Broadway. Um, and he was nominated for a Tony as Eddie Ryan in Funny Girl. So those are just some of the many, many things that I could read about you. Um, and if we did this podcast again in a year, the list would be even longer. So welcome the extraordinary Jared Grimes to the podcast. So not many people on the planet can be good at all things at the same time. Um, And I think it seems to me in in like the deep dive I've been able to do over the last couple of days in other interviews you've done, what what has really moved me so deeply is how much you honor your ancestors, specifically um, in the tap space, in the dance space, and how I have now learned about people like John Bubbles and Bonnie Briggs and Sammy Davis Jr., of course, and, and Gregory Hines, who are more contemporary are people that I knew about, but to learn about Bill Bojangles and the Nicholas brothers, like in earnest, like to understand this history. And and I just wanna thank you for sort of your masterclass every time you you speak, paying honor and tribute and, and, and truly bringing those names back into the world, current day. What, what a legacy. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things is like, uh, you know, when you put on a pair of tap shoes and you, you know, you make the commitment to the craft, like the, the those guys, they, they, they take over your spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're like, ah, we got one, you know, <laughs> we, we, we got one. And, um, 
you know, it's funny, even as a little kid, before I even knew who they were, I knew who they were just because I put on a pair of tap shoes and I made that commitment. Um, and then as I, as I started to mature in the craft and, you know, grow up, when I, were in, when I was introduced to them, for some reason, they felt so familiar. It felt like I'd already, you know, known them, even like, felt like I'd met them. <laughs> and I'd known them my whole life. Even at five years old, I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know William Henry Lane. Like, yeah, we're friends. Like, you know, it's it just it's weird. They, you know, they haunt you in the in the in the greatest of ways, um, and uh, you just have to wake up every day with the responsibility on your shoulders that you have to speak for them. You have to move for them. You have to create music for them because, you know, they went through a lot in order to, you know, give a young man, especially young African-American uh, man like myself, uh, the privilege of putting on a pair of shoes and making a living by creating music with my feet. Like that's something in the career books in high school that they tell you, you know, just doesn't happen. <laughs> they, yeah. they, 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 that's not an option. Like that's really not an option. And yet, you know, you know, obviously I got a communication arts degree, you know, in college, but um, I was just a, a fallback just in case, you know, people didn't understand, you know, how powerful they were. Um, and I've been fortunate enough, you know, that, you know, their power and their, their stronghold on our consciousness, even though they've been long gone, has allowed me to, you know, follow in their footsteps and, uh, you know, continue the legacy of an art form, of an American made art form that gave, you know, black people in America a voice like no other in a time where we really didn't have a voice. And now that our voices are elevated to a certain degree, um, I'm still able to you know, magnify their efforts, their sacrifices um, alongside with some of the sacrifices that you know, I'm making for the next young uh, male or female to um, take on these responsibilities. So uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 very emotional. It's it's crazy. It's not just as a kid. I was like, oh, I'm just making noise, and it's fun, and it's loud, and I have a lot of energy. Um, but uh, you know, as a as a as a, a young man now, um, I'm still that same kid, um, but with those responsibilities on my shoulders, and with that purpose. And uh, you know, I look forward to what it brings every day. I'm 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 uh, I'm haunted by one of those guys or gals every day and it's a different one every day and it gives me the you know the life and the the motivation to go on stage or to you know choreograph or to produce or to direct or to write music um you know they were so multifaceted and they were tap shoes were how they introduced themselves to the world but they really came with a whole onslaught of of, of crafts that they were just masters at and um you know, I'm I'm one of those guys that like I really exist to make people proud who have paved the way for me, even if they don't exist anymore. And uh, you know, their journey uh, has led me to my journey currently in Funny Girl, and with all the things that I've done, and I still have a lot more to do. Um, and I'm I'm excited and I'm thrilled and I'm 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 ready for every challenge and for every opportunity that hopefully I'm blessed with. It's so funny that you called your communications major uh, a fallback, because when I think about like how I would describe you, like you are truly a communication artist, right? Like you, you have taken what, what could mean something else in terms of a career trajectory and used your whole body and soul to communicate with, with everyone you come in contact with, with your artistry. And, and I just think, you know, I, I joked about your mother having, you know, DVR'd uh, all of her, or whatever. VHS, for sure. VHS, DVR'd. <laughs> and, and when this is in some time capsule in the future, people will have to Google what we mean by DVR'd, um, a, a, a previous evening's programming. But I feel like a lot of the stories you tell have to do with her um, and, yep. and her being a dancer and, and sort of introducing this world to you. So, can we go back a little bit to sort of, you know, I get a small sense from what I've heard about like what maybe brought the arts into your life, but who was in your house when you were growing up uh, besides your mom and, and did you have siblings and sort of what, what did it look like? Oh, uh, nuclear family. 
through and yeah. through. Me, my mom, and my dad. Um, uh, my mom was the artist of the of the family. So um, I used to come downstairs when I was a little kid, and I would see her practicing Janet Jackson routines with her friends. And um, I thought she was the coolest thing in the world. Like uh, she was the first, like she was the first thing that I identified as an artist um, as a little kid. And um, my dad was the exact opposite <laughs> of an artist, you know, Vietnam vet, really into sports, workhorse, father of the household, uh, taking care of the family, all the love to give from a very um, uh, strong and, you know, king of the hill type of um, perspective. And so even with that, my mom was alpha in the <laughs> with alpha in the house so you know i was able to you know kind combat of, training yeah it's my mom was like i don't i don't care what jungle you've been in them dishes better be done i'm saying <laughs> so uh uh you know so i grew up in a household with two very strong people who um and you know the first dominant male figure you know in my life being my dad you know i, I saw him be alpha but uh understand that being alpha was about following you don't always have to be the leader to be, you know, alpha. And he followed and he served my mom and really uplifted her and really put her on the throne. And in that way, I kind of really spent most of my time with my mom growing up, becoming an artist, trying to become her. And it's funny because tap was her worst genre. <laughs> she was horrible at tap. Like that was her worst thing. But she, she saw that I gravitated towards it. Uh, because of like what I said before, you know, the energy and the, you know, I could bounce off the wall and make noise. And she just started giving me my first couple steps. And then she passed me on to different dance teachers and it really caught on. Uh, and simultaneously, my dad was, you know, okay, cool. Baseball practice, basketball practice, science club, you know, volleyball practice, karate, swimming. So, you know, I was learning everything in the, the, the arts from a dance perspective with my mom. And then I would come home and then later in the second half of the day would be all sports with my dad and all like, you know. Okay, so you were a very like busy kid. Very. And very they, they were busy. like, you know, let's see what sticks. Let's let's immerse him in everything. Yeah. And let's see what sticks. And, um, you know, the arts stuck big time and sports still stick big time with me. Um, And I still play uh, basketball a lot with uh, my friends. You know, really the cross training of, basketball and what I do and, and dance is, you know, I could write books on how it's helped me uh, become a machine <laughs> uh, and help me, um, you know, stay clear of injuries throughout my career just because my body is so in tune um, with the athletic aspect of dance as opposed to just the dance aspect of dance. And then and when endurance. it comes to endurance, your incredible endurance, man. Yeah, I could, and you know, when I could, even with my band, like we'll do two hour shows, hour and a half shows, and I'll go nonstop. Um, and, uh, you know, have a lot to that, a lot of that to contribute towards, you know, the cross training of sports and, yeah. and the arts throughout my entire life. So, you know, my dad was sports, my mom was, was dance. Um, and I, that's how I gravitated towards, you know, tap. That's how I figured out tap through ballet, hip hop, jazz, theater vocal lessons, piano lessons, um, acting lessons. And tap was the one thing that was like, all right, cool. Well, this is your first love. So how can you channel your confidence, your your blessings, your gifts within that? And how can you spread that in a ballet class or jazz class or acting class um, or, or, or vocal class? Like how can you use tap to navigate through life and not only survive, but conquer the things that you're navigating? Um, and I started to do that. Tap became the one thing out of everything that my mom, you know, had me immersed in and everything my dad had me immersed in. Tap became the one thing that was like home base that I could use to, you know, really excel in everything else. And so that's, you know, that's how I feel like Tap chose me. And then I, you know, began from that to see that I had advantages in other areas of life because of Tap Dance. And so I was like, all right, it became a super. What do you mean by that? Like, <laughs> what do you mean by advantages in other areas? Tell me like um, what you picture when you say that. Well, just, you know, being a tap dancer, you're a musician and you're a dancer and you're dancing simultaneously to the music that you're creating. 
So you're using so many, so many senses at, um, at one time with each step, like every single step you're, you're igniting so many different senses of your being. And you can even go even more meta because you're spiritually tapping in to, you know, so many different layers of who you are as a human being when you're, when you're doing, you know, when you're creating music or when you're using all of those senses. So since you can't go throughout a day without putting your foot on the ground. And every time I put my foot on the ground, even if it's just walking or if it's just, you know, it's scraping across the floor as I'm sitting on the couch, like my senses instantly, That's like, you know. I wanted to ask ignite. you because <laughs> when your own body is your, is literally the instrument, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think singers, you know, I guess they're the closest thing to it or, or jugglers or whatever. But I wondered if, if you cannot not, like if you're walking through the subway, if you're walking on the street, are you just hearing, can you yes. ever turn it off? Can you ever be like, no. oh my God, I can't, <laughs> I can't be choreographing. You are a prisoner. You are a prisoner to the, to the music, to the craft. And you know, yeah. it's, it's, it can drive you crazy to a certain extent, but you know, I, you know, certain people are built for that. So at an early age, like I said, because, you know, I was so all over the place, you know, I was, yeah, so ADD is a lot of kids were diagnosed. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just like, I operated with, I operated under chaos. Like I needed a million things happening in order to focus. So it's actually perfect for me. Um, it centers me a lot to have all of my senses, uh, 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 all of my senses um, just always operating and operating for each other and really driving me every single day. So, um, I found advantages. Like if I wasn't tap dancing, I was playing basketball. I found advantages in that because I was so musically inclined to, you know, finding rhythm in order to help me succeed. Basketball is a rhythm sport. Um, in a jazz class where I don't have tap shoes, you know, my sense of music and timing and the way to, you know, use my body gave me advantages. Um, in a jazz class, in a ballet class, in a hip hop class. Um, when it comes to like writing, you know, you know, if, if I can find a rhythm, if I can find those things that really spiritually set me free um, musically as a tap dancer when I'm writing, that's when I'm writing, you know, at, at the highest of, of, of my levels or when I'm with my writing team and I'm creating stories, you know, I can really lock into what feels good for a character or the arc of a story based on music or based on feeling or based on, um, you know, my, my keen sense of rhythm, which comes from tap dance. Right. Um, same thing with choreography, like anything, even when I'm on camera for manifest and I have to walk to a mark, um, boom, say no more. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I see where the mark is. I know what it feels like every time we do that take, because how many steps it takes to get there. I don't even have to count because I can feel it. Right. You know, so I'm not even looking at the mark and I'm not saying that's some genius thing or whatever like that, but I'm very, it's just your home. truth. Right. Yes. That's your truth. I'm very at home with those obstacles. Any obstacle, any challenge, I'm very, I'm very at home uh, achieving, you know, uh, the goal or, or, you know, accomplishing the goal or even succeeding more than what the goal has to offer because there's so many different ways that I can kind of arrive to the promised land of what, you know, that particular goal is because of, you know, being a musician and being a tap dancer because there's no one way to create a song. There's no one way to create a sound. Tap dance is so infinite that it's just giving me the confidence in life to be able to go out and understand that hmm, there's an infinite amount of ways that I can be successful with this particular you know, activity or this particular conversation or this particular negotiation or this particular meeting or this particular relationship or friendship. Um, and it's just, yeah, there's just, it's, it's limitless. And it allows me to feel limitless every time I wake up and I, you know, step out into New York or, I, you know, I step into anything it is that I love to do or that I want to accomplish. You know, I, I just know that like, I'm going to win. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. It's not good for the SATs because, you know, two plus two is four. There's not an Well, I want to talk about that. that. <laughs> you, did, how did you handle because a lot of people who can do all the things you do found it really hard to sit in a classroom all day because they had so much going on. Was that hard for you or did you have a laser focus on the subject 
in front of you and could kind of turn off all these other activities at the same time? Um, well, I mean, my, my favorite subjects were science. Um, I'm horrible, which is weird because I'm horrible at math, which mm. is crazy because, you know, tap dance, music, timing, it's all math to a certain right, extent. Right. But with math, you can't, I can't feel it. So, so physics, you probably thing. didn't enjoy, <laughs> but other kinds of science, no. <laughs> right? Like when you could do experiments yeah. and understand how like the world works. works is different yeah. than equations and that, yeah. Yeah, I got equations are equations are fun um but like i said the numbers on a page are different than numbers in your heart mm-hmm. um although numbers on a floor right like that works yeah. for you <laughs> and i can put i can put my foot down on those numbers and i can i can figure out an infinite amount of ways to accomplish that equation yeah um but it's i'm the professor Right. Uh, I'm I, I'm the universe. I'm the I'm what the numbers are made of in that particular instant, as mm-hmm. opposed to not being in control of over the numbers in a book yeah. or on a page or the numbers yeah. in a way that the teacher is telling me it has to be that way, and you have to arrive to the solution in the way that I just taught you, or you're yeah. wrong. So I didn't do well with that in school um, when it came to math. Um, but uh, just being a student in class, um, obviously, I was a class clown. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was notorious for making the teacher, you know, crack up in, in the middle of classes just because, you know, I'm I'm a performer and I love to make people happy and, and joyful. And, uh, you know, I used to love sitting in class because um, I just I like I like hearing people give me the tools to um, to achieve those goals, tools that I don't already have. So listening to a teacher lecture for two or three hours, you know, about a particular subject. Like I used to love that, you know, I used to, I used to, I used to love it. I'm like, oh man, please tell me more of what I don't know. Because I thought it was, it's kind of like a game. It was like, oh, so if you can teach me these things that I don't know, then how can I then interpret them in my own way and use those as advantages, you know, for where I want to go. I used to love that. Uh, That was one of my greatest things. So now sitting still like a statue and watching that is definitely hard. So like, while I'm, you know, drumming my pencil or my feet are doing certain that's things. That's what I was wondering. Were they like, Jared, <laughs> your feet have not stopped moving during this entire lesson on Moby Dick. Like, I didn't know uh, if you were able to control your body. I love that story. It's a good I story. story. Um, I feel like listeners would, would just not cease to write me if we didn't spend some time on Funny Girl. Uh, because even though this, you know, this will live in the in the universe as a as an interview for a long time, that's currently sort of front and center eight yeah. eight shows a week. Um, although mm-hmm. you have one million other things going on. And and I guess I'll ask, do you already know what you're doing after Funny Girl? Do you have um, things in the pipeline that you are already aware of? I, well, I do not. We're, I'm currently so during the whole Funny Girl process. Yeah. Um, I was filming film and manifest at the same time yeah so um in my heart of hearts that's always the aim is to be able to do both um at the same time um which is crazy because I know that's that's pretty wild and it's the first time that I've ever done it but I think it's but they worked it out like everybody worked it out yeah I I just love to be I love to be in both spaces Mm -hmm. um and I worked so hard on on getting myself in the tv and film space by just you know, studying the craft, um, you know, acting classes and just really, you know, listening to directors um, and really all the things that I've been working on when it comes to acting as a little kid and, uh, you know, throughout the years and in the industry, it's just, I, you know, I'm just now feeling like I'm in control of really putting those to the test yeah. and really challenging, you know, character perception and character arc and bringing something new to characters even if it's at the expense of, of the project and like, all right, well, look, I know this might not be what you guys are looking for, but I'm like, here's I really my think idea. This could be a, yeah. Here's my idea. And I'm really yeah. comfortable with that uh, to whereas before it might've been more. So uh, I just want to be perfect for what, you know, you think the vision is for the character. I, you know, I've, over the years, I've just become more comfortable with, with choice. choice. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with funny girl, um, that was one of the things that I did with the character, Eddie Ryan, especially since Eddie Ryan is, you know, now African-American. Well, let's talk um, about a, that. When they came to you, first of all, did you audition for Funny Girl? I did. I sent in a self-tape. Okay. Because was that during 
COVID or, or were you just, just not in New York at the time? Just off of the heels of it. I, I just got back to New York. I was in North Carolina um, for like eight months. And I was like, I'm just going to stay in North Carolina until, you know, work brings me back to, to the city because, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And did you know, a soldier's play, a sorry to interrupt you, a soldier's no, play, which, which was just uh, Blair Underwood, Jared Grimes, David Allen, David Allen Greer, Kenny Leon directing, um, just one of the great classic, classic plays of all time. Um, did that finish its run or did you have to cut short because Broadway shut down? We only cut like one show. We made it almost all the way to the end of the run. Okay, that's incredible. So, so you got to like have that fully, shows. okay. Yeah. But but so I was in a play then too. We were all suddenly aware on the subway. It, you know, it felt weird. We're, we're suddenly elbow bumping instead of hugging oh, yeah. and, and shaking hands, right? Like when you think back to that time, the language we created with our bodies to adapt to this virus that we didn't know anything about, staging and plays that changed. I remember fist bumping someone because that's what we had started to do in a play that took place 10 years ago. Like it's, it, you know, I, I, and my, I just went, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I just was scared to hug my castmate. Like it was crazy. The new normal. The new normal. The new normal, which, is, which has morphed into so many things since then. Yeah. So you were able to finish that play, which yeah. is incredible. You went back to North Carolina. And during yep. that time, you got a call that Funny Girl is casting for Eddie Ryan. And they were open to a whole new Eddie Ryan than, than what had been done previously. Would you like yeah. to throw your hat in the ring? Is that kind of what happens? It was one of those things where when I went to North Carolina, like I said, I was I was going to come back for work. And um, I got the opportunity to make my directorial debut at the Signature in D.C. Oh, on the wow. musical After Midnight. Yes, I, yes, yes. So I was like, that's that's pretty cool. And I had my 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 big bro, bro, uh, Chris Jackson, come out and, and lead us in that. And then Manifest was like, all right, well, season three is kicking off. So we need you back. And then I came back for that and then ended up staying here in the city. Okay. And just while I was in the city, um, kind of adjusting to uh, the city again after, you know, the two years or after the year of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, certain things were happening, certain self-tapes, people were figuring out how to do TV. And at that time, you know, um, uh, theater was still kind of on a hiatus. Um, so people were still doing like virtual shows. So everything I was doing was like virtual. Like, you know, I was teaching classes virtual. Mm -hmm. I was in meetings for whatever the world would be like after the pandemic, virtual meetings for, for theater projects. And um, just around the time that we were getting ready to do that, Tony's at the Winter Garden, just after um, the pandemic, um, well, I started like kind of rehearsing because we were going to do a piece. I was doing a piece with my cousin, uh, Daniel Watts, called uh, What Does Your Silence Sound Like? Is um, Daniel your literal cousin? This is my, my, my bro, bro cousin. Like your bro, bro, bro cousin. Okay. Because yeah. I love him. each other forever. Oh my God. I love him. He's been on this podcast and, and the J, I mean, all of it, his work. I didn't realize that you guys were, were oh, working yeah, we together. Go back. Yeah. Okay. We go back. Unbelievable. We met each other when we were like 15. Um, so uh, he, he had called me. He was like, you know, I want to do this. You know, we're doing this thing for the Tonys. Uh, uh, to uh, honor the Black Coalition, um, and um, it's this piece that he wrote, and he, you know, he had an idea in mind for me to kind of underscore his uh, his spoken word throughout the piece, which would, you know, go into dance uh, with choreographer uh, Sergio Trulia. Um, and uh, right around the time that we were putting that together is when I got the audition for um, Funny Girl. So I self taped maybe a couple weeks before, you know. Uh, uh, Daniel hit me up and then um, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, you know, yeah. I self-taped a, a few times when I got back to New York and I was just like, all right, well, we'll see. But I was happy that at least in the TV and film space, um, stuff was happening again. And then slowly theater started to happen again. And Funny Girl was one of those, um, I think that was one of the first auditions for a project um, that I had uh, via self-tape for theater. Everything and was it for just the film. scripted scenes? Obviously, they know you're the greatest dancer in the world. Did they want you to dance yeah. also or just do the scenes? It was the, it was it was like maybe two scenes because okay. um, two or three scenes because the choreographer on the show was one of my mentors growing up, uh, Ayodele Cassell. And um, Please, she is. I think that they were like, I, I think he's got it, you know, 
figured out with the dance yeah. stuff. To yeah, a certain that's degree. not going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and also, you know, traditionally Eddie Ryan wasn't supposed to be this, you know, this, he's more of a choreographer as opposed to this, like, you know, um, as opposed to somebody, you know, you know, like me, um, I think, uh, I would say in terms of, from a dance perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. um so I, I, I self-taped and I was like, all right, cool. Boom. Not thinking about it. Moving we're, on. You know, we're rehearsing, you know, for the, um, for the, uh, for the Tonys and we're having a good time. And that's like the, the main thing on my mind is because I want to make sure this is the best it can possibly be because a really um, cool sidebar, moment. It was. Oh, by the way, so I mean, just for listeners at home, just Google it. It's it's the most powerful, beautiful uh, piece of art. And it really elevated the entire Tony experience to exactly uh, what it needed to be. Yeah, yeah. We, we had fun. And it was the very, the very first Tony's back after that. So it was, there was a, you know, celebration. So yeah, yeah. Being resilient in that, yeah. in that moment in time. I had slightly before we, now we were rehearsing and then before we were, getting ready to perform on the Tonys, they asked me to come in and um and sing Who Taught Every Who Taught Her Everything She Knows. Um and that was it. They didn't, you know, I guess they were cool with the scenes, the scene work that I had done. Oh no, I did come in and do I did some scenes with Beanie. That's what you I did. did? And they Talk were, about they were that. Like, they were like Beanie uh you know is is in and we're gonna read a couple people uh and you know she's making herself available which is amazing considering how busy she was. So I already mm -hmm. knew she was an amazing person for making herself available to read scenes with a couple of different Eddies. Um, and so I came in, um, I read some scenes with her. Uh, they like so much fun. Um, you know, there was, a, there was an instant kind of rhythm that, you know, we both kind of fell into. And um, she was so professional. I remember she was just like, I mean, she's a rock star. Like, you know, the lights were low. Michael Mayer was in the room. Um, we read, and then after we read, I went in to sing Who Taught Her Everything She Knows for the entire creative team, and Michael Rafter was kind of, you know, in charge of that at that point in time, and, um, you know, I had a had a great time with the song. Um, uh, I, I, I really, you know, liked the song. I, you know, I thought it was really cool. Um, Did you know it was Jane Lynch at the time? I had no, no. idea. I had no <laughs> idea. I had, I had no idea really about anything because yeah. my focus at the time was... Um, uh we were getting my focus at the time was we were like trying to figure out exactly how season four was going to go for manifest so as soon as we finished um uh soon as we finished uh the the tonys that's when everything started to kind of like get clearer in terms of what i was going to be doing in the weeks to come so my focus was kind of like you know was was in that ballpark because i knew we had just finished uh rehearsing for the tonys i knew that was we knew we were going to be good. We just had to perform that. So I, I auditioned with Beanie. And then I sing for sing for the gang. And then I didn't hear anything for like maybe I had to, it felt like forever. So I just assumed that I didn't get it. <laughs> I assumed that I, like I always assume after you know I, I sell tape or audition for anything. Like I you know I assume like you know all right you know well on to on to the next thing. And it, it was a while too. So I was like all right cool. Well you know I know there's a couple people in the industry that kind of you know that I run with, we all kind of do some of the same things. I was like, well, hopefully one of my, you know, friends got it. Um, and I was just gearing up for the Tonys. I was like, ah, oh, let's, let's get it. Let's, you know, let's do it. And then so backstage at the Tonys, Beanie gave me this big hug. I didn't even see her. Like she hugged me shorter than me. She hugged me kind of like from behind. I turned around, I was like, oh, I was like, hey, I didn't even realize she would remember who I was. Um, and I was like, well, that's weird that she, you know, she gave me a hug. So I was like, I was like, I wonder if she knows something or if she, you know, Either she hugged me because she wished I got it or she hugged me because she knew something. And then the day after the Tonys is when we got the call that I got, that they were, you know, that they wanted me on for the job. And I was like, oh. I was like, that oh, is pretty. what that hug meant. I get oh, it now. That's, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty yeah. cool. So that's how my journey began with, um, with, with, with Funny Girl. And then. Um, and what was the process like in terms of building this show? Then, then obviously on day one, there's, Jane Lynch, there's like there's this cast, right? Um, so how does that start to? I worked with Michael. He directed your Good Man Charlie Brown, and I, oh, yeah. you know, he's he's just particularly wonderful building ensemble. I think that was my experience, and and really encouraging people to share their ideas. Um, was that your experience? 
Yeah, I call I call him Mr. Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he's he's super cool. Um, I think the first show of his that I saw, um, was Fairly Modern Millie with Sutton Foster. And yeah. it weirdly, for some reason, even though that show was not a show that I at the time, I think I was like maybe fifteen. Yeah. That, that sh show was not a show at the time that I was just like, I could see myself in that show. I just thought it was amazing and I loved the movie Thoroughly Modern Millie and I thought that the show on stage had kind of like this dark-esque take to it dark comedy-esque kind of take to it and yeah. I thought that was um amazing and I was just like I want to do Broadway if I can do shows that like have an impact on me like that like I want to do Broadway wow so, this, his so work that was one of the first things that, that I planted saw. the seed or one of his the work? seeds exactly what is it like to have I don't know how many seats are in the August Wilson Theater but when you dance people go insane. They go absolutely insane. Um, oh, I came, you. you know, on a day that it was 104 degrees outside and, and warmer inside, uh, cooler inside, but still it was like, and yet there was no lack of energy in that audience for you, right? Like we were out of our minds. So how is it to receive that? Like what, like you are a true, it's like you're a totally, I don't know, like a rock star. Like, I, I don't know what to compare oh, it to. It's insane. You. How does that feel? I, it feels, you know, what's funny is I was excited about um, Funny Girl and playing the role of Eddie Ryan uh, initially, not because I would get the opportunity to to dance in the show. Actually, I wasn't familiar with the, the musical version of the show. You know, I've seen the movie. And so I didn't, I didn't know if in some way, shape, or form, it would be closer to that. Right, um, right. You know, or, or, or I didn't know exactly, because I never read the musical script. Yeah. Um, so I just assumed that I, this wasn't a dance show for me. Yeah. And I was, ex I was excited about that, because I know that in the industry, a lot of people know me, you know, as, you know, tap dance being my first love. Um, they know that's, you know, kind of like my, you know, my superpower. Um, but I was excited about this because I was like, all right, well, cool. If I'm not doing, you know, a lot of that in this show, then I get to show people my other superpowers too. Um, and so I was really geeked at the opportunity to really, you know, introduce myself to the industry as a multifaceted, multi-hyphenate uh, performer. Yeah. My first Broadway show, all I did was come out and dance. And after midnight, I had one number, 11 o'clock number, come out, dance like a bat out of hell. <laughs> For like <laughs> 10 then, minutes. Or whatever yeah. that was, I'm very, I mean, that was <laughs> insane. Yeah. And I, and I, and I loved it. And, um, but I, you know, I, I remember thinking, it's like, oh, I can't wait to, you know, be able to go out on stage and speak or sing or, you know. Yeah, and that's a lot of waiting of around backstage while a lot of people are getting to do stuff until uh, your 11 o'clock number. That's why so, I was like, nah, yeah, 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 yeah. Bad out of hell. And then yes. Soldier's Play, of course, was is more you know, it was, that wasn't a dance show for me at all. So, you know, I was getting to, to show my acting chops and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, getting to tell the beautiful, you know, uh, murder mystery that Basically, the play yeah. essentially is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Well, now Funny Girl is like, you know, musical comedy. I get to show the people that I can, you know, in and one evening. You're really sing, funny. And, dance. <laughs> and, and be really yeah. funny because people didn't know you as a comedic actor. Yeah, I was just like, God, yeah. like, I can't wait to, to do it. So I was excited about those things, you know, because I felt like I had already, you know, showed people what my feet can do yeah, in this yeah. space. And then yeah. Ayu had this whole, you know, John Bubbles, Baby Lawrence idea in mind for Eddie. And I was just like, oh, I was like, all right, cool, let's get it. You know what I mean? I was, I was ready. And she choreographed this, you know, the piece that I do. And, um, I was just like, okay, like Eddie is this type of Eddie this time around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was like, they're not, you know, Ayadeli and, and Michael, you know, they're not playing any games. They're allowing him to, you know, have a voice um, that's not, you know, ex exactly what his voice was in previous iterations right. of, of, of right. Funny Girl. Um, right. And so I, you know, I just, I learned the solo. Um, Ayadeli's choreography is, is, uh, she's one of my mentors. So I've, I definitely have been through the onslaught of her genius, you know, ever since I was 14 years old. And, um, you know, just I always try to figure out how to find ways to bring the character that I'm playing to life, even when I'm tap dancing or when I'm not speaking, like when I'm just there on stage and just being, 
And one of the ways that I was just like, all right, well, how can this just be more than a, you know, a tap dance number? And one day in one of our run-throughs, um, Harvey Firestein spilled like this coffee or he spilled this drink um, all over the place while I was doing my solo. And um, while I was doing my solo, I looked up and I said, you okay over there, Harvey? Like, you know what I mean? And I was just like, and everybody just started like laughing because, you know, in their minds, they're like, wait a minute, he's doing a solo. How is he able to kind of, you know, see what's going on, speak on it and still have the steps going at the same time. Um, and in that moment, I was just like, there Eddie goes in another way that I didn't, you know, know. I was like, he's a communicator. Like we were talking about early yeah. in this. Uh, he in can this talk to the audience. He can, he he can, can talk, talk to, the, to audience the audience Yeah. in this moment. And I so was just like. So that's what it was born out of. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, Harvey, so wild. Harvey, Harvey creating a mess. Harvey's, Harvey's <laughs> coffee. Yeah. And so like I go out every night and one of my favorite parts of that solo and, and why I think people have so much fun with me is because I'm actually engaging them. We're actually humans. We're, we're, we're no, talking you break to each the fourth wall, right? I mean, you break the <laughs> yeah. fourth wall, which was not, that's not set up in, in the show earlier. And suddenly, mm -hmm. and suddenly it just transforms the whole experience into an us, right? Like we're all like, oh, we're, we're the, we're not, we're at the Zigfield Follies, right? Like we're, we're not just together. watching Funny Girl. We're actually yeah. in the audience of the show within the show. It's so meta, like it, it just yeah. works on so many levels. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask for something a little unorthodox. I usually ask someone to share a little known fact about themselves um, to end the, the episode. That's always the button. But I wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing as, as your little known fact, and then you can add whatever you want, the story um, of how you met Gregory Hines. Oh, man. Oh, man. That, I mean, for me, Gregory Hines, Sammy Davis Jr., and Fred Astaire um, were the blueprint for me growing up. Um, the father, son, and the Holy Ghost of tap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Through the is, Trinity, which, yeah. Which is, is wild and it's is funny is I studied those three so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Fred Astaire had passed on before I got an opportunity to meet him and so did Sammy. Um, but um, I met Greg the first time he was on a, a workshop, a tap workshop. And... I drove all the way up from New North Carolina to take this workshop. I'm like, uh, 16, like I'm not 15, 16. Um, and like a hundred kids in there. Like it's a lot of kids. He's not going to see me. And you know, I'm in my like 15, 16 year old. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Like I'm too cool. Like, you know what I mean? I'm confident. You know, I know I'm one of the more advanced kids in the class. So I'm like, I stand in the back. My mom is pissed. Like, you know, dance moms do not want to. I, why are you standing in the back? I drove all the way from North Carolina. You're going to stand in the back of 100 kids. Um, and he's on this raised platform teaching the class. And the combo was, you know, it, it, it was maybe something more along the lines of intermediate advanced. And I was more of an advanced, advanced, advanced uh, dancer at the time. But my mom wanted me to take this class because she knew that it could be opportunity to meet him. And so he's teaching the class and I'm just like, I'm hearing him and I'm just like, man, he sounds exactly like he sounds in the movies. Or like he sounds on TV. I'm just like, this is crazy, but he's far away. So I'm just like, that's him. I'm back here. I'm good enough just being in the same room as him. And then class is just going and he's, he's teaching and you know, I keep seeing him kind of like look in the back. I'm like, is he looking at me? I'm like, I don't know if he's looking at me. I was like, I'm like, I, I was like, he keeps glancing in the back, and I'm just like, if he's looking at me, that's cool. Another win for me. I was like, that I'm, I'm, I was thankful and fortunate to be in the same space as him. But if he's looking at me, that's great. And then class is going, and then um, you get towards the end of the class when we're all like kind of doing the combo. I'm still standing in the back. He calls me. He's like, hey, young man. He's like, come up here. He's like, I want you to do the combo with me. And I was like, just like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. He had just, you know, brought up like maybe two or three uh, young tap dancers to do, do the combo. Do you look to your right step. and to your left? Like, wait, does he mean, see me, me? 
he means me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, the the goat just you know gestured to me, um, and he brought up a couple kids to do the combo as a solo. So usually, as a teacher, you do that with like exceptional kids in the class, and I wasn't one of them. So I just assumed like, all right, cool. We're like, you know, I'm 15, 16. I think I'm, you know. I'm pretty good. I'm in the back. This is one of those classes more for them than it is for me. And then I'll meet him after class and shake his hand and speak to him. Um, so I think the class is getting ready to end. He's already brought up the exceptional kids. And he's like, young man, come up here. Come to the stage. I want, you know, I want you to do the combo with me. And I'm like, so I was like, none of the kids did the combo with him. I was like, so I'm about to do a duet with Gregory Hines. In the moment, I'm walking, it seemed like the walk to that stage, like it seemed like a lifetime. Like everything that I'd watched him on TV uh, in and everything I'd read about him, like I, it was just running through my mind as I'm walking to the stage. And as I'm getting to the stage, cause it's on a raised kind of platform, like he's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm just like, it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like I'm walking up to the Messiah himself. Um, and so I get up on the stage and instantly when I get up onto the stage, like I just checked, like I went into, like I went into, I'm supposed to be here mode. Um, and this is the moment I've been waiting for mode. And this is what I've always dreamed of mode. And I, it, I instantly like locked in. And so he counted us in and we're doing the combo. And I'm just like, I'm dancing. <laughs> dancing next to Gregory <laughs> this is before camera phones this is before that you know what I mean like it, oh my this is like the early like the late 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 night maybe 99 98 or something like that maybe uh somewhere in the late night like I'm just like so nobody like you couldn't record it like you know because you couldn't have a camera in class like you know oh so I was just like I was like I'm dancing next to him and the combo is going the combo is going we're both like rocking rocking I'm like listening to him I'm just like that sounds just like Gregory Hunter. And he's laughing and he's like, you know, he's he's making vocal noises as if like we're both like in his zone. And I was just like, oh my goodness. I was like, I made it. This is the moment I can get to tell everybody that I've, you know, that I got an opportunity to perform with Gregory Hines. That's that in my mind, I was like, I can always say that I perform with him now. Um, and we get to the end of the combo, and he just starts dancing impromptu solo. And he challenges me. And I was like, he's wanting to trade solos with me. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to try to destroy Gregory Hunt. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm about to try to go at him real quick. And um, he gave me some crazy, he did some crazy stuff. Then I did some crazy stuff. And then he did some crazy stuff. And then I did some crazy stuff. And like, in terms of me being like, I'm going to try to destroy him, that was like my competitive juice being like, well, if we're going to trade solos, I'm going to try to get a win in here. Like, so that way I could be like, man, I like, you know, I battled Gregory Hines. Um, but he, it was funny. He was so sophisticated. He was, he was so, he was so Gregory Hines that like, no matter what kind of crazy stuff I pulled out with ease, he did some stuff that like complimented it or like one up it you know, from just a, a an experience, a greatness kind of way. And so we had this like young whippersnapper, you know, you know, uh, predecessor professor, and we were just kind of doing this and having this wonderful combination of, uh, or conversation of, of, oh, okay, I see what you did. Oh, okay, okay, I see what you did right there too. Okay, let me, oh, okay, I see where you went, let me go here. And it was just like, that went on for like maybe, this is gonna seem crazy, but it went on for like maybe two or three minutes which is a long time, if you can think about, um, because the combo that we did together, the choreography that he came up with, that was only like maybe like a minute. So in my mind, I was like, he called me up the stage because he really just wanted to dance with me. And I was just like, wow. And I'm like, in his, I'm like, in his mind, I know he knew that I really wanted to dance with him too. And so it was this wonderful moment. And when it ended, like we both ended it the same way. We both were like, da, 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 da. Bop. And then he gave me this big hug and like picked me up off the ground. And I was just like, I just, I, I was, I was so beside myself. I, I can't even tell you. That's probably the most, 
that's one of the craziest moments in my entire life. Other than like, uh, I was in the bathroom at the same time as Stevie Wonder one time. That was pretty crazy. Um, but, <laughs> but um, he, that was real crazy. He's tall too. I didn't know if he was tall. Um, but uh, yeah, he picked me up off the ground. And he was just like, yeah, yeah. And he was pointing to me and he was like shaking my shoulders in front of everybody. And I was just like, and so I talked to him after the class and he was just like, he was like, you got it. He was like, you got it. He was like, I can't. He's like, he's like, when are you moving to New York? And he's like, I can't wait to, you know, do something with you. And I was just, I heard certain people that I admired and, you know, um, studied before say that, but it never really happened. It was kind of like what you would just say to a young, you know, whippersnapper after they, you know, did a good job after a class. And he just kept staring at me. Like he was really staring at me in my eyes. And he was just like, yeah, I can't wait. He's like, he was like, you're amazing. He's like, you're incredible. He's like, I just, I just can't. It's like, I can't wait. It's like, when you're moving, when are you moving to New York? And I was just like, in a year or two years, or, you know, because I was 16 or so. And I just, I was just, I was beside myself. And like, we literally drove up just to take that class. Then we drove back home because I had to go back to school. Um, and so uh, that's the first time I met Gregory Hines. And then when I got up here for college um, in 01, um, he came to a show that I was doing and it was my time to do a solo. And this is the second time. It's my time to do a solo. And I hear these feet click, click behind me. He came to be a spectator at a show and just happened to have his shoes. And while I was doing my solo, he walked out and danced with me again. Nope. He, re he, re he remembered me. Like he, re like he remembered me from that class a few years prior. And I was just like, come on. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, I was, and at this point, like this maybe a, a, like a year or two down, down from that class. So I had gotten even, you know, gotten better, more confident. And he came out and we just like, we traded again. It wasn't as like, you know, tour de force as the first time, but it was like, it was just like, hey, hey, remember me? That type hey, of thing. old friend, yeah. Uh, and it was just, everybody went crazy again. And it was just like, I don't know. So that was the second time. And then the third time uh, was at, um, it was, a, it was a, an event where he was just speaking at. And my friend backstage um, was like, man, I want to take a picture with him. You know, you want a picture with him? I was like, no, I already got a few. You know, I'm good. Like, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I know him now. Like, yeah. he knows me, I know him. Yeah. And um, I'm taking the picture from my friend backstage and I'm like just behind the camera and I'm just kind of like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, like I've already, you know, me and you already like know each other. We have a thing, you know, I don't want to, you know, take up too Nothing much of your time. You. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm taking the picture and I think the whole thing is over and he's going to go walk on to other people that want to take the picture. And he walks up to me. He's like, how you doing? He's like, how you doing? He's like, what's going on? He's like, you're in New York now? And I'm just like, he remembers me. <laughs> he remembers, I was like, he remembers me. So it was just so crazy. And then, you know, it's weird. Like, I feel like the next spring, I forget when it, but then he passed and it was so awkward because I was just like, I felt like I was on the cusp of getting to work with him in some way, shape or form. Um, getting to learn with, like, learn from him. Like, I really wanted him to be like, like if he was one of my mentors, that would have been crazy. And I've had some great mentors, but I feel like it was, we were on the verge of him, you know, taking me under his wing in a certain way. And um, when he passed, I was just like, I really, I was just like, okay. I was like, I got to go to work. Like, I was like, I mean, when I, because he was unstoppable to me, like he was infinite. Yeah. And when he passed, I remember, because I was in, I was in school and my friend called me and he's like, I got some bad news. I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. nobody knew he was sick at that yeah. time so I yeah. thought it was just it was just like all of a sudden what do you mean and so when it happened I just I you know I was just like you know I made it a a, a mission of mine I was just like okay he's the blueprint in some way shape or form I have to pay homage to what he meant you know to the arts Can and you in my imagine, own way like Sammy Davis Jr., Fred Astaire, Gregory Hines are all together, right, in the hereafter, right now. Can you imagine that, that dance-off, right? Like, can oh, you imagine what those guys are doing? Those guys looking down and, and, and giving me life and haunting me in the, the most amazing ways. I just, you know, it was just, 
Well, don't you think for... you're making them proud? Like you gotta feel uh, yeah. like you're making them proud. I wake proud. up every day. I wake up every day for that. And you know, Gregory for me, you know, was my link to Sammy. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, cause I'm always bugging, you know, mentors of mine like Debbie Allen and Leslie Uggams. I'm always like, tell me some more Sammy stories. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just, so Greg was like gonna be that, that, that link to that for me to learn from the lineage of, you know, multifaceted performers like that. Um, and when he passed, I was just like, man, it's just like, that was like, it broke my heart because I knew that he was, you know, he was like the last of that particular thing for me. Um, of that, right. And now this is pretty heady, but now when you do a master class, there are kids in that room, there are little Jared Grimes in that room you are there, you are there, Gregory Hines, right? Like, like it just keeps going. And that's the torch is being passed and yeah. that's you. Um, and I, and I'm just so lucky to, um, like, I can't really believe I'm in conversation with, with truly one of the greatest artists of our generation. And um, oh, thank you with the, so with the work ethic and the heart and the discipline and the the goodness um, that is you. And so thank you. I, I, I mean, you've given me so much time today and yesterday performing. Um, <laughs> and uh, let me ask you, who in the world would sing who taught him everything he knows and think it's them? When people are watching the Tonys and seeing that you were nominated, who was sitting in their living room singing who taught him everything he knows <laughs> and believe that it's them? Your mom? Oh my gosh! Yeah, my my mom. I mean, well, my dad will be like, "Hey, you see that move right there? You remember when we was playing basketball in the driveway? That's that move I used to I used to do on you in the driveway." <laughs> That's my dad. And my yeah. mom is like, you know, my mom is super competitive. She's, you know, like I said, she's a quintessential dance mom. Yeah. Um, she must you know, feel she's like always... she's winning. She's winning yeah. dance moms right now. And if nothing I else, I am a spitting image of her. <laughs> You are, but you did it. You you helped her win dance bombs and she helped you yeah. uh, win the uh, Fred Astaire Award for outstanding uh, everythingness. Jared Grimes, uh, thank, thank you. you so thank you. How long are you in Funny Girl until? Do you know uh, what, what, when uh, you're in it well, until? I think, I think, I think March is kind of like uh, whenever, you know, everybody gets around the table again. Um, so, uh, yeah, I got, I got. So you'll be so, in it for the new cast when they come in. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, the new cast comes in September. Wow. So I'll be, in, I'll be, be in there trying to teach her everything she knows until, <laughs> until March. And then we'll, we'll figure things out in March. But um, yeah. It's, this fell shoe show. doesn't even know what's about to happen. It's yeah. going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be a amazing. Fun show. It's a fun show. So yeah. um, I'm excited to, to get out there every night and just, you know, there, there's so many negative things in the world there's so many things that we're dealing with in terms of our access to the negative things in the world too it's just like you know I, I'm, I'm happy to to help people escape that in any way shape oh my form. god so, so much joy that, Eddie Ryan so yes Eddie brings us the you are the 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 salve the bomb that soothes our our wounds after honestly after just a lifetime of hard things right so yeah so thank you thank you for your beautiful thank you artistry. so much that means the world to me i can't wait to see you in in the show again and i wish you a beautiful day and thank you thank you thank you so much have a great one you too one more thing i keep getting emails asking how to donate to the podcast First of all, thank you in advance. You are the kindest humans. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. That is where you donate. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. This episode of Little Known Facts was edited by Nicholas Klar. We record in New York City. The Little Known Facts social media intern is Sophia Rosenbaum. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. 
Thank you. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.